Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh for everyone.
What is up, everyone? You are watching and or listening to the Belly Up Tennessee Live Football Show. Um, I'm joined by Justin Herrera at SemtexMex93 on Twitter, Chris Dauhauer, and of course, I'm Adam LaRue. Um, we are going to, as always, go through um, a recap of <coughs> last week's stuffs, um, and then we'll, we'll preview uh, week six next week. Uh, we're beginning the bye weeks, so that's really interesting. Um, before we get into any of that, of course, um, the biggest thing on, on most people's minds is the horrendous comments that Gruden made that led to him getting fired uh, or resigning, uh, more than likely a forced resignation. Um, um, and we could spend a ton of time going into how awful everything and all like the whole situation is. Um, but this isn't necessarily the show or the avenue for that. What we do have to talk about um, is the ramifications of it. Um, you know, there will be a new uh, – Gruden will no longer be the coach, obviously, for the rest of the season. Um, what does that mean for the players on that offense? This is uh, He was an offensive guy. This was his offense. So what does that mean for guys like Josh Jacobs, guys like uh, Carr and Waller, uh, Renfro, et cetera? What does that mean for them? Um, you know, there are a lot of ramifications to him, um, you know, uh, to uh, him being out in Las Vegas, I guess. Uh, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, well, I believe Greg Knapp's going to take over as the, you know, play caller moving forward now. He does have a West Coast background, so he has some of that Gruden flavor still there. Honestly, I think it might be the best thing for the Raiders, especially offensively. Um, mm-hmm. Gruden tends to have his, his quirks of guys he likes and just sticks out there for random reasons and guys he plays for random reasons. Maybe Josh Jacobs isn't pigeonholed as a guy who doesn't doesn't get to catch the ball anymore. Uh, maybe you see a little bit of expansion as other guys' utilization. So I think it actually might be one of being a good thing, especially offensively. So I think a lot of times Gruden made a lot of you know, tough, just dumb decisions, I'll just say, come out and say it. A lot of dumb decisions was his player personnel and usage. And I also think that you might see – um, you know, this offense, especially Derek Carr, play a little bit more loose. Uh, Derek Carr seemed to be, uh, you know, had a love-hate with John Gruden. Gruden seemed to always try to figure a way to get replace him or bring somebody else new. So maybe Derek Carr feels a little more satisfied and more more, more established. Maybe he can kind of have what he wants more of this offense moving forward. Um, so obviously the Raiders had a dud uh, this past week. Do you think that was just them no longer – really having any faith in the the regime or do you think that was genuinely they had a dud against the bears uh do you, do you like do you think that situation beginning to unfold had a part of that i believe uh the news started to break on friday with the first couple emails uh justin that and any other comments that you had on it? oh oh my, my bad um <laughs> yeah i mean you know anytime you have like a a game where you have a bunch of questions about your coach and especially on a sensitive situation like that you know mm-hmm. it affects the entire team so i mean it could have been that i i did see that that team was just it didn't seem like they were there it seemed like they were mm-hmm. on a sour note like everybody kind of seemed to be a little bit off and you know that could be the situation or it could have just been you know they ran into you know a good bears defense yeah. and you know just got you know a goose egg, essentially. I mean, not a goose egg entirely, but, you know, that offense pretty much didn't produce for you on fantasy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was a bad matchup, honestly. I think as one of the games I actually picked Chicago to win, I'm not a big 
big proponent of the Bears week in, week out, but I do think that that was a, a good matchup for them. That Raider offensive line is basically decimated with injuries. The Bears can get penetration. Once they kind of get you knocked Derek Carr around a little bit, the offense kind of falls apart. Yeah, this is absolutely true. Um, we did see uh, some more Josh Jacobs uh, in that game. Um, before we start getting into the games too much, um, we do want to send it over to our wonderful partner, Manscaped. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. All right. Uh, so again, thank you uh, to Manscaped for that. Uh, without further ado, we'll kick it uh, to Thursday Night Football, um, which is a pretty solid game. Um, we yeah. did, however, lose Russell Wilson, um, which unfortunate, mm-hmm. very unfortunate. Yeah, I think that's the biggest news of this game. I think Russell Wilson went out in the first half. Geno Smith didn't play particularly bad. Um, had a bad interception, which is his fault at the end of the game. Um, this offense pretty much looks the same, honestly, under Geno as it did with Russell Wilson early. I think the big thing you're going to take away from this game, though, is that deep ball that Russell Wilson loves to push the ball down the field. That's not going to be the same thing with Geno Smith. Um, DK still had a good game regardless and kind of bouncing back around and back into form. Um, the running game was not very good. Uh, Bell people picked Alice Collins up to kind of replace Chris Carson. They were hoping they'll get a big game out of him that didn't really materialize. You still see a G.J. Dallas and even a little bit of Charles Homer rotated in there in the past situations. Chris Carson doesn't miss any kind of extended time. Those two guys are probably going to vulture a lot of the receiving work with Alex Collins, so kind of keep that in mind moving forward. On the Rams side of the ball, Matthew Stafford had probably the ugliest 372 yards that you might get in a game. Um, he missed a lot of throws, wasn't really on point, but still was able to put up big numbers. Uh, you saw the return of Robert Woods. So I've been trying to beat the drum on the last couple of weeks about Robert Woods. Don't give up on him because his, his day is coming. Well, he finally was a squeaky wheel, and his day came. Uh, had 150 yards. Didn't score a touchdown, but was definitely featured a lot in his passing game. Um, Higby had a touchdown. Cooper Cup was, continues to be solid for you. Didn't have the you know, outstanding game, but you can't can't complain about still seven catches. Um, and then you had basically the rest of the passing game kind of fall in the order. Deshaun Jackson had a big bomb. Really didn't do anything else. Uh, Van Jefferson continues to be more targeted and run more routes than Deshaun Jackson. So clearly, he seems to be that true number three number receiver for the Rams. And then in the backfield, Tony Michelle you had an opportunity to kind of play some snaps there, score a touchdown. Uh, but most of that came when Henderson got injured. Once Henderson kind of returned back into form, you didn't really see Tony Michelle the rest of the game. So I kind of thought this would be a split in the backfield more moving forward. It hasn't really materialized. It seems like it's Henderson's backfield as long as he's healthy. Yeah. What's been really interesting, uh, and I, I glad you, I'm glad you brought up the Robert Woods emergence, 
what's been really interesting, I, I might have brought this up on the Sunday show. Um, Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Sean McVay has completely telegraphed uh, when he's underutilizing a player and when they're about to essentially blow up. Um, mm-hmm. On uh, the 21st of September, he, he came out and said something along the lines of, Deshaun Jackson, like, he's a really talented guy. We need to get him more involved. That upcoming weekend on the 25th, 26th, whatever it was, um, is when he had that big, you know, 120-yard uh, night. Uh, this past Tuesday, uh, Monday or Tuesday, uh, he had said that, you know, Robert Woods, you know, we just need to give him the ball more. He's a great player, blah, 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 blah. Of course, has his big night um, uh, last Thursday. Just something to to keep in mind if he uh, ever ever uh, starts talking up Higby, Higby for some reason at the beginning of the week or Van Jefferson or someone. Uh, maybe you, you keep that in the back of your head and uh, uh, play them or, or maybe hit their over or whatever you're going to do. Throw me a DFS lineup at least. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the next game was the battle over in England, um, the Jets versus Atlanta. This this was kind of an ugly offensive game in general, especially for the Jets side. I'll start off with them. Uh, terribly disappointing after the effort you kind of saw last week. You thought Zach Wilson maybe turned a corner. The office of coaching staff maybe was getting a clue of what they should be doing. And they reverted back to all their bad habits. Zach was missing easy throws. The offense looked very stagnant and just very uncreative in general. Um, so Zach kind of struggled. Michael Carter did score a touchdown. He does seem to be kind of the featured back in the backfield. Although Ty Johnson continues to get those snaps back there. It's also vultured a touchdown for himself. Um, Corey Davis is clearly the number one receiver for this offense. He expected a lot bigger game out of him for this going against his featured Atlanta defense. That didn't materialize, unfortunately. Keelan Cole had a decent game. And nobody else really did anything. Biggest appointment I had was Elijah Moore, which was, was targeted twice in this game, his return. He did nothing. Uh, Denzel Mims sighting was out there. He actually caught the ball twice again for 33 yards, and he was allowed to play anymore after that because yeah, I guess he gets too many yards. So that was the Jets' offense, basically. You basically got maybe something from Michael Carter. Anybody else in your lineup you have from the Jets, stunk for you. Um, on the other side, Atlanta, Matt Ryan continues to kind of find his groove a little bit. He's actually throwing the ball a lot better. At 345 yards passing, um, maybe Matt Ryan isn't as dumb as people kind of expect him to be, although I will say it's versus the Jets again. Cordell Patterson kind of returned down to return to earth. Um, he didn't score a touchdown for like the first time in ever. Um, he, did, <laughs> he does continue to basically split some carries with Davis in the backfield. Mike Davis had a decent game, 53 yards to score a touchdown. Um, you didn't see 
Goldman Goldman play this game, which was kind of refreshing. Not much, I should say, compared to the other game where he had six carries. And then we actually saw Kyle Pitts finally have that breakout game we were waiting for. It just took them having no other healthy receivers basically out there with him. Calvin Ridley was miss, missed this game due to personal uh, concern, personal something. Matter, uh, yeah. personal, um, and then you have Kyle Pitts basically being the passing game. He was moved around in the, in the on the field. He was actually utilized as we kind of expected him to be as number five pick in the draft this year. And you actually saw Hayden Hurst get involved a little bit more too and had a touchdown himself. The rest of the receivers were just guys out there. Um, Zekifis was supposed to be the big guy who might blow up for people that didn't materialize for anything out there. The rest of the receiving core is nothing to write home about. Anyone wake up early for that game? What'd you say? Uh, any of you wake up early for that game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. Well, I mean, early, I, I was, early is not too early over here. Yeah. It made me jealous of people on the West Coast. I was like, this is what it feels like to wake up on a Sunday in the West Coast and you wake up to football. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 Sucks I kept as a Jets in Atlanta, but. <laughs> I kept tabs on it once I got up, but I certainly wasn't waking up for the start of that game. Uh, <laughs> not on a Sunday. <laughs> Uh, next game was the New England Patriots and Houston game. This was an actually really close game. Um, Fantasy-wise, very confusing game in a lot of ways. So I'll start off on the Houston side of the ball. David Mills had three, over 300 yards passing through three touchdowns, one against one of the best secondaries in football, one of the top pass defenses in football. Patriots just looked lost out there, and it was kind of really <laughs> surprising, especially in the passing game. As a result, you saw Chris Moore break out, have a big play, uh, scored a 67-yard touchdown, had over 100 yards receiving. Looked good out there. Looked fast, looked explosive, looked big. A um, couple of balls to throw up were jump balls. He basically won 50-50 chances, but he was not put it up there for him to get, make that, that play. Um, they did take away Brandon Cooks mostly in this game. I think if you were a Brandon Cooks owner, you kind of expected that to happen. The Patriots usually target the best player you have on offense and try to evaporate from your offensive you know, game plan. So they did a good job of that overall. And as a result, you also saw uh, um, Chris Conley have a decent game. And Conley was able to go over 80 yards, um, had a touchdown himself, and led the team in air yards overall. So I think that you basically saw the other guys step up because Cooks was being featured taken away so much. The running backs continue to be who cares. Uh, Ingram did lead the, the team in carries, as he usually does. He plotted it along for 41 yards. He didn't score a touchdown, wasn't involved in the passing game. David Johnson was involved in the passing game a little bit. But still, these have, both have all have a very limited ceiling for this opportunity in the backfield. So it's, nobody's really did anything to make kind of separate themselves in this game. On the flip side, the Patriots, um, Mac Jones kind of didn't really have the greatest of games. Did have three, over 200 yards passing. Did throw for a touchdown. But Mac Jones races right now is not a fantasy option for most people, I don't think. And Damian Harris, who was a really big play, especially against this Houston defense, was in and out of the game with injury. Uh, did fumble on the one-yard line. You don't know if that's really going to happen down the lower from the second time. We've had a big fumble uh, in a game that usually Belichick will doghouse you for that. Um, and he did have 53 yards to score a touchdown. Was not involved at all in the passing game, which is disappointing. That was all Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden basically was the third down. James White back. Uh, continues to be for the second game in a row. Ramondre Stevenson was brought back since that game one um, because he was doghouse for fumbling the ball. And he actually didn't do anything spectacular. They had 11 carries for 23 yards. But you're, actually, you're excited for opportunity for this guy to actually start being getting some touches again, hopefully, moving forward. 
in the passing game. Um, Henry Henry is clearly the number one tight end for this team. Had a second good week in a row for them. Starting to be something that you necessarily need to start thinking about having in your fantasy lineups, especially with tight end or tight end premium league. Um, Jacoby Myers continues to be very consistent, especially PPR purposes. Still hasn't scored a touchdown forever though. Um, that, that streak continues. Had a had a would have had a bigger game had he not dropped a wide open bomb basically in the middle of that game. And then Nelson Aguilar continues to kind of just do a little bit. Really hasn't had over 60 yards since I think it was game two. Uh, had 30 yards in this game. Really wasn't heavily involved. Kenyon Bourne had a little couple catches. There was nobody in the receiving core really stepping out other than Jacoby Myers to kind of target fantasy-wise. Next game I was on was Detroit and Minnesota game. Um, Minnesota played not to lose this game in a lot of, week, a lot of ways. Dalvin Cook was not active, so you saw Madison play. He started off kind of slow, but wound up having a big run um, in the third quarter there, a 64-yarder. Wound up scoring a touchdown, going over 100 yards. So you're excited if you started him in your lineups. Kirk Cousins continues to kind of be up and down like he usually is. Um, kind of returned back to a QB2, QB, a guy that doesn't necessarily want your starting lineup. We saw him really, you know, doing really well his first few games, but kind of running back into his normal form. Had 275 yards, threw a touchdown, um, had an interception. Justin Jefferson was destroying this defense on um, the first half, especially had over 100 yards in the first half. And then basically didn't get targeted anywhere the rest of the game, which was kind of odd. Uh, Adam Thielen waited to the last couple, of, you know, actually drive of this game to actually get involved in this offense where he has two catches. He was really kind of limited. This team just really didn't play to throw the ball and try to just not lose the game. Look like that there, so they played very conservative offensively. Tyler Conklin kind of didn't have the greatest game to 28 yards. Um, KJ Osborne kind of seems to be an afterthought now, second week in a row where he's not really involved in this offense. You're seeing more and more Westbrook out there in the third down on a slot receiver. Um, so that might be something to kind of consider that Osborne might be a guy who's toast very simply for your thing. And Tyler Conklin isn't quite taking off like people thought he might be last two weeks. On the flip side, Detroit, uh, Jared Goff continues just to be an average quarterback out there. Didn't really do anything fantasy-wise. Didn't throw a touchdown. Had an interception. Um, kind of disappointing, I would say, against a Minnesota defense that's really struggled versus the pass this year. In the backfield, uh, continues to be that split. Jamal Williams, you know, I had 13 carries. Um, DeAndre Swift had 11 carries. Both of them had 50 yards. Swift scored the touchdown, so he's more the productive guy as a result of that. Swift was also heavily involved in the passing game, had six catches, um, 53 yards, so he's able to kind of get his 100 yards total from scrimmage. Had a nice game overall. Jamal Williams isn't really being involved in the passing game as much, so that's something to kind of keep in mind. Though Jamal Williams seems to be one of their prefer preferred early down running backs right now. In the passing game, um, you saw Amon St. Brown finally have his decent game as a rookie. A lot of hype coming into this season because he might be the only you know, weapon out there in some senses. Did have seven catches for 66 yards. Uh, had eight targets overall for PPR purposes. You're definitely keeping an eye on this guy. T.J. Hawkinson was healthy enough to play, but didn't look healthy out there. Wasn't really involved in the offense too much. Only had two catches. So you're disappointed for second week with him. And Quentin Stevens got injured early in this game. Um, so that basically eliminates yet another receiver from Detroit receivers. So it's going to get really interesting to see who they throw throwing the ball to moving forward. Well, the What I thought was interesting about this game is that we saw um, Conklin actually run more routes than Osborne. Um, so that, that kind of third weapon. He did last week too. 
Yeah, um, so that, that kind of third weapon had been going back and forth early, but it does seem like Conklin is solidifying himself there. But then that's why I say it, watch what Westbrook's doing right now because he's getting more and more routes out there too. And that's is. where I think that third that third option is going to be really hard for you to guess from week to week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably better just to stay away from that third option, to yeah. be honest. I mean, unless you need Conklin for like a second tight end for a bye week. But, yeah, I wouldn't be messing around with Minnesota's third option. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. And then the last game that I was covering is the Denver-Philadelphia game. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the Philadelphia and Carolina game. Um, Philadelphia really started off poorly offensively, particularly Jalen Hurst kind of rebound by rushing the ball. They scored two touchdowns on the ground, had 30 yards rushing through the air was atrocious, had 198 yards through a pick. Just didn't look good all, all offensively. Devonta Smith, though it was kind of involved and was very efficient, had eight targets, had seven catches for 77 yards. Um, Jalen Rager seems to be kind of forgotten about again in this offense. He really wasn't involved. Kenneth Gainwell was the biggest point probably in the backfield for a lot of people this week because they thought he was kind of getting more and more touches, particularly in the, in the in receiving game. He only had, I think, with three targets. He had three targets, had one catch for eight yards. Uh, Miles Sanders got involved in the passing game, had five catches for six yards. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm still boggled how they use him in the backfield in general. He did have 11 carries in this game, uh, had a – had a decent run of 18 yards, I think it was, a 45 yards overall for his total. But they just don't want to run the ball for some reason. Um, and I'm not really sure what Serini is trying to do with this offense. They were lucky enough to pull it out. It was my upset victory of the week, though, so I did I did kind of call this game coming in. Um, on the flip side, the reason they were in this game was because on Carolina's side, the Sam Darnold, the guy who's been doing so great fantasy-wise, was number top five scorer, returned to earth. Uh, had 177 yards passing through three picks. Um, didn't really run the ball very much. Didn't score any rushing touchdowns. So that seems to be big news. Um, <laughs> Chubba Hubbard was the starting back. McCaffrey's not quite back yet. He wasn't quite healthy enough to get out there, despite what he thought he was. Uh, Chubba did have around 100 yards. Um, uh, he looked decent. Had a big drop, though, in the passing game. Uh, had to have three catches or five catches for 33 yards. So you, you see that McCaffrey usage is going to be there for whoever the kind of back is going into this week. Uh, DJ Moore continues to be the most consistent receiver for Carolina. <laughs> Robbie Anderson is what I thought he, I told you guys he would be with Sam Darnold. There is no connection there. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. The same, uh, Robbie Anderson got targeted like crazy for the second week in a row and did nothing. And a big part of that is Sam Darnold just cannot push the ball down the field, especially when he has pressure. 
Um, Ian Thomas got a little bit more involved in the passing game. We saw Tremble score the touchdown, but Ian Thomas had four catches for 48 yards. That might be something to kind of keep your eye on moving forward. They continue to kind of split snaps, though, so it's not really something you can bank on. And Terrence Marshall was out there. Um, I think this guy would kind of a bit of disappointment right now. People kind of expected him to step up in some roles, especially with Robbie Anderson struggling the way he has in the passing game. And he's simply just not out there enough and not involved enough in his passing attack overall. On yeah, the flip side. Oh, sorry. I was, was going to say, gonna I think up. that's the most uh, uh, disturbing part is he's been targeted 18 times in two games. I just wanted to throw that out there. That's crazy. 18 times. Robbie Anderson, yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're talk- I mean, they're listening to Matt Rule. They're listening to the idea that you need to get him involved. But we saw this in New York. Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson took almost the entire season for them to actually get in the same t- same page. He was highly inefficient in New York. And I think a big part of that, especially as we talked about going into this year, what roles were these receivers going to play? Was Robbie Anderson going to go back to being you know, the deep threat and being kind of not what he was utilized last year? DJ Moore kind of flipping back into his role where he is that kind of you know possession slot receiver kind of guy. And then as a result, they were, and we know who Sam Darnold prefers to throw the ball to. Yeah. Uh, interesting to note, Robbie Anderson's two best seasons, uh, just statistically, whether that's, you know, fantasy or otherwise are with McCallum and Bridgewater, despite, uh, a good portion of his seasons being with Darnold. Uh, so make of that what you will. (laughs) All All right. So I think this is where I take over. Um, so is new Orleans and Washington, this was kind of a game to figure out where Jameis is. I mean, Jameis has been up and down all season long. He's looked good, but, you know, he's also had games where he's looked like Jameis again. So this was one of the really good games for Jameis. He got to stretch the field quite a bit. He got to do Jameis things. He got a nice pass off to Callaway at halftime, which was a beautiful catch. I mean, that was all Callaway, by the way. That was just how he got up there was crazy. Um he got Deontay Harris once again involved. Um, Deontay Harris is obviously proving to be his deep ball threat. Um, only usually targets him like once a game, once or twice a game. And, you know, he pulled down a 72-yarder this week. Um, Kamara got really involved in this game. Pat are in the uh, rushing and receiving side, which was different than last week where he was just fully in the rushing game. And I think that's the best way to handle Alvin Kamara is to make sure that he gets his rushes, but also use him in the passing game because you need to get him the ball. He's a threat in open field. Um, so, yeah, he had two touchdowns on the day. Um, it was it was interesting to see a Troutman sighting. Um, Troutman's been kind of almost like thrown in the closet and forgotten. Um, but he had a 32-yard catch today – or not today, Sunday – and he ended up with two uh, receptions on the day. So he was two of two. Um, on the flip side, uh, Haneke did not perform. Um, kind of was wondering because of last week, you know, New Orleans defense kind of looked a little bit soft on the back end. Um, you know, New York pulled it out in the end. But it was kind of like a question of was it kind of like a fluke, you know, catching, you know, with Barkley catching a 56-yarder. And, you know, the way that it kind of ended. So I think New Orleans kind of answered a lot of questions with that. Um, But Gibson went for two touchdowns. He had a really good game on the ground. He ended up with 53% of the snaps. Um, McKissick 
got four targets, but didn't really do much with it. Uh, obviously, the transition isn't fully there, but it looks like they are working Gibson a little bit more, which is definitely positive for all our fantasy teams. Um, on the receiving end, it uh, wasn't really much to talk about. I mean, Terry McLaren was locked up pretty well by Mark, or by uh, Marshawn Lattimore. And then, you know, um, yeah, so I would say that maybe – the one thing to really look into is Ricky Seals Jones had a pretty decent game. You know, he had five catches, 41 yards. Logan Thomas is on IR right now. I know he's on for at least one more week. Um, could be somebody to stat to go out and grab if you have Kyle Pitts this week going into that bye week. Yeah, I think that's a great call. I think Ricky Seals Jones was definitely somebody they were trying to get the ball to. And you could see Heineke looking for him time and time again, especially in the red zone. How many times in the the modern era do you think that uh, uh, between the two teams there's 70 passing attempts, but between the two of them uh, they are less than 50% completion? Uh, <laughs> just doesn't really mean not, much. Not today's football doesn't really happen very much. No, it doesn't really happen at all. So it says NFL. Yeah. <laughs> it is fitting that Jameis is one of those quarterbacks, though. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, this is the first week the Saints offense actually looked like what I expected coming out of the, mm-hmm. to the into the season. Yeah, I mean, I think this makes sense for him to not have a super high completion percentage, given that every receiver he has outside of Chris Hogan, I guess, is like a deep threat. A deep threat, um, yeah. So, and he, this is what I kind of what I think we expected. Is he shot deep a lot with his receivers, and he he sent it down to Kamara, and you know let Kamara eat underneath. Uh, I think it's been actually promising that he's been checking it down to the running back a lot more. He wasn't really a check down guy in Tampa. I mean, he didn't have Kamara in Tampa, but you know what I'm saying? Like he was really like a pass it downfield all day long. Cause I got Godwin, I got Evans. So it's really good to see him kind of show some of the Sean Payton system in there. But uh, yeah, I think we can go on to the next one. Yep. All right. So Tennessee and Jacksonville, this was a Derrick Henry day. Uh, if you had Derrick Henry, once again, you were happy. 130 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I could pretty much say that was the entire Tennessee offense, and that would be <laughs> probably satisfactory for everybody here. Um, one thing I want to note is that A.J. Brown does not look healthy, and he, I, you know, I don't know what to make of him right now because there's a lot of people that are probably thinking, is he? Is it the right time to trade him? Is it the right time to maybe even like just in redraft leagues? I mean, you never want to, but I mean, when the guy is not even reeling in half of his targets, I mean, he did this week, but like there are some weeks where he's not reeling half his targets and he's just not looking good, not bringing in touchdowns. It's kind of just a, it's a red flag for a lot of people right now. I, I completely understand that. Um, it looked like Tannehill was looking for somebody this week. You know, he found Marcus Johnson a couple times. Ferkser got involved. Pruitt got his touchdown. Um, we even saw a Josh Reynolds sighting. Uh, it was interesting to see that Chester Rogers, who's kind of been like his go-to guy through this whole Julio Jones, A.J. Brown type of injury debacle, was only targeted one time. Um, yeah, as far as that goes, I – I can only say this. I think that Julio Jones is going to be a good play when he gets healthy because it looks like Tannehill's looking for somebody to be a safety net out there. And, you know, hopefully that turns into, you know, the one Julio performance we've seen where he got six 
uh, catches and 120 yards. On the flip side, uh, Lawrence actually looked good. Um, I was rather impressed with Lawrence coming out because, well, we talked about it earlier in the show. He's got a coaching debacle right now, too, with Urban Meyer. So there's a lot of attention on the Jaguars, and it's negative attention right now. So to go out there and, you know, kind of, you know, I wouldn't say throw caution to the wind, but he looked a little bit more loose today or on Sunday. Sorry. He looked loose. You know, he looked like he was using his legs. He was, you know, almost playing college ball. And that's kind of, you know, how he was going to get really good because, you know, you ask him to sit back there in the pocket and he doesn't have a good line and his receiving options are kind of limited, especially if LaVishka Chanel is not going to come in until, you know, the fourth quarter. Um, it was just – it. I was inspiring to me that Lawrence looked that good, even against the Tennessee Titans' bad defense. But, um, you know, he went for 275 and a touchdown. And then he ended up getting a rushing touchdown, almost two, but his knee was down before the before, uh, the ball broke the plane. Um, and then James Robinson, you know, they're finally playing him. I like that. Um, get Carlos Hyde out of there. I don't know why they went with Carlos Hyde on that second one. It was doomed to begin with because when you see the replay of the offense or the defensive line shifts onto that one side, almost like sensing that it's going to come there and absolutely blew up the play. But at the same time, you know, when you have James Robinson having a baller game, you don't just take him out for Carlos Hyde, who just came off the injured list. Um, another, you know, highlight was Dan Arnold. Uh, we've talked about it before on here. Dan Arnold, what's his impact going to be in Jacksonville? It looks pretty good today. Um, caught six targets, 64 yards. Uh, he just looked like a good, sturdy receiver out there for Trevor Lawrence to go to. Uh, one thing that a lot of rookies like to go to is they love to go to a, a good tight end. You know, Dan Arnold is a good athletic receiving tight end. So hopefully this continues and maybe he could be a nice waiver wire pickup for some people. Um, one guy that I won't promote going and getting out of the waiver wire, even though he had a good game was Tavon Austin. I don't know what to make of this receiving core anymore. Um, when Marvin Jones only gets a touch, LaVishka Chenault only gets a, you know, one reception, even though he took it for 58 yards and looked like the only man on the field. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of this team, you know, as far as like the receivers, you know, one week LaVisha Chenault's going for seven receptions and 90 yards. And next week he's only got 58 on one reception. He's coming in in the, the third quarter, one minute of the third quarter left, you know? So Tavon Austin, while I do like the idea of what Urban Meyer is probably doing with him is going with the, the fast guy who can run screens, who can run down the line, catch a couple corners, run that college offense. I, I just don't trust it. How do you guys feel about this game? How about Jamal Agnew being yeah. the other sec tying the tie for his, you know leading receptions? He looked like he played the Chenault role, which was odd. Like they just kind of switched guys out of their roles, basically, and different guys do things. And Dan Arnold is a great call by you. He's clearly somewhere they're trying to involve in their offense. I mean, the guy came in off you know three two or three games two or three days before last week's game. And was out there already getting getting involved in the passing game. Here he is again, tied in lead for targets in this offense. He's going to be some of the they look they look to get the ball to. I think a lot. 
Yeah, uh, they traded for him in his second week. He's at like 75% of the snaps. He got eight targets in the second week. I mean, great opportunity there uh, for, for fantasy managers to either buy in or add him, or if you already had him, had him added, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think the, the one thing, like you said, the positive is Dan Arnold, and the negative is, you know, Marvin Jones at this point to me. Marvin Jones and LaVisha Chanel, because a lot of people are looking at that DJ Chark injury and, they were drooling at the idea of having Marvin Jones and LaVisha Chenault, and now Urban mm-hmm. Myers kind of, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Giving it to Tavon Austin. And <laughs> <laughs> Digging up Tavon Austin. <laughs> Next well, I think that's one thing for fantasy people, people to always, sorry guys. I was going to say, I think that's one thing for fantasy people to always keep in mind. You know, everybody likes the guy when somebody gets injured to step up. But sometimes it's hard to be at that number one guy in a certain role. Marvin Jones is facing number one corners now. He's facing game plans. He was not facing that before the first couple of weeks of the season. Thus, he was productive. Now that he is, the last two weeks, he hasn't been so productive. That is very true. That is very true. Although it was the Tennessee Titans corners. <laughs> All right. Two weeks in a row, he should have had decent games, I thought. I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, so this one was um, – Another weird one. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very interesting one because there was very good talking points on both sides. I'm going to go with Miami first. I'm going to highlight the fact that Jacoby Brissett is seemingly always finding somebody for 10 receptions. That seems to be his go-to. Um, it, it doesn't matter who it is because it'll be somebody different every week. Uh, last week it was Gusecki. The week before it would be Waddle. And this week it was Gaskin. So Gaskin ended up having two touchdowns, 74 yards. He broke a nice 24-yarder. He didn't do much in the rushing department, even though his average was good. You know, that obviously wasn't the game plan, um, and rightfully so. I mean, Tampa did boast a pretty damn good rushing defense. Um, As far as what was kind of shocking to me was that Jalen Waddell didn't get too involved in this game. Um, He had six opportunities, and he only reeled in two. Like, that's kind of a little bit of an alarming thing. I, I mean, I know he's a rookie, but this is a guy who, you know, a couple of weeks ago was reeling in um, 10 passes off of 12 targets, you know. This is a guy who we thought was going to have, like, a good repertoire with Jacoby Brissett, and he just, you know, ended up kind of laying a dud for the second week in a row. Um, you know, Mike Gusecki had an okay day, 4 for 43. Um one surprise was Preston Williams, and I think the real surprise was that Devontae Parker ended up kind of being a late injury. So Preston Williams Preston Williams stepped in, um, caught three balls for 60 yards. You know, heck of a day if you had him. I don't know who really <laughs> did, but. <laughs> I'm just uh, happy to see him healthy out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. He's had his own issues. Um, but, yeah, on the other side, Tom Brady, hell of a day. Um, all three wide receivers, the three-headed monster, uh, everybody had a pretty good day. I mean, everybody had a hell of a day, and Chris Godwin had a pretty good day, right? Because <laughs> he went for 770, but he was the he had the most targets at 11. So, you know, everybody was getting their stuff in. Um, you know, Brown and Evans, this was a Brown day, but Evans has kind of proven that, you know, ever since week one, every day has been an Evans day. This guy's been just one of the most consistent receivers since week one. 
Um, Leonard Fournette had over 100 uh, scrimmage yards and a touchdown. He looked good running the ball again for the second straight week. Uh, Geo got into the end zone. Um, yeah, it, it's just kind of hopefully it's looking more and more clear that uh, Fournette will be at least taking most of the rushing downs mm-hmm. uh, just to give some sort of clarity to to fantasy football owners because, you know, we, when you – you drafted Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. You kind of draft him. You go, oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> Who, who's going to be the number one? Who's going to be the number two this week? But um, it looks like uh, Leonard Fournette's finally starting to carve himself that role. So hopefully that sticks. Um, outside of that, I mean, you know, everybody that should have had a good game had a good to great game. So I, if you played any bucks, I think you're pretty happy. <laughs> Except for it was Kim and Bree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, not, or it doesn't really matter for fantasy purposes, but what happened to Scotty Miller? Uh, Tyler Johnson definitely seems he, to have solidified. Scotty Miller's that. hurt. Oh, is he? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens here. Wide receiver four That's five. Why. That's yeah, he got hurt. Right. Well, I, I thought one of the interesting things was that Malcolm Brown didn't get any snaps in this game. I was like, so yeah. you were the guy last week, and now you're not even involved at all. Yeah, this Dolphins backfield is crazy. PPR well, yeah, they w- they weren't even rushing the ball, so it was like there was no point to it. I mean, these guys were literally out there just to be like targets. I mean, Miles Gaskin was pretty much playing a slot receiver role at that point. I mean, you look at you look at the total carries. I don't even think it adds up to ten mm-hmm. between all four running backs. Yeah, it's yeah, nine, nine. nine for thirty-nine. <laughs> yeah, so there's no role for Malcolm Brown. <laughs> That doesn't mean he's not uh, out there sometimes, though. <laughs> <laughs> roll or no roll doesn't matter. They put they put weird guys out there. They had Ahmed out, sit out the one game. Then they didn't use Gaskin last week, and then they didn't use Brown this week. It seems like there's a rotation of something going there. Every couple of games, you get benched. <laughs> Maybe it's the Belichick way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So this was the game of missed field goals for sure. Um, I think Mason Crosby at the end of the game had missed three of his or yeah, he missed three of his last four, which is crazy. Um, but we'll get into that later. Um, once again, Packers, if you played them, you were happy. Everybody performed. Devontae Adams performed 206 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, AJ Dillon week to week is starting to look like a better option if you have like a flex position. He's starting to get more involved in the rushing game and the passing game, which is surprising because, you know, he wasn't really known as a receiving back going into this year. But, you know, he looked good catching four balls and for 49 yards and a touchdown. Um, outside of that, it was pretty much the Green Bay receiving core. Um, nobody really stood out. Uh, everybody was kind of vultured by Devontae Adams because, you know, why wouldn't you throw to Devontae Adams? Um, on the other side, Burrow had a, had a shaky game. He went down with an injury. Um, I believe there's still, wasn't it a throat injury? I believe it was a throat injury. Yeah, yeah. Throat, throat contusion. I, I had never heard of NFL players getting throat contusions and two of them got two of them this week, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that Oof. was weird. Very Who was weird. the other one? Ooh, I need to double check. I thought it was uh, defensive player. I can't yeah, recall who it was off my head. Was a defensive player? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, 
<laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember who it was at the top of my head. Be funny if it was the defensive player that caused Burrow's throat contusion. <laughs> <laughs> chop me in the neck, I'll chop you in the neck. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um, so on the rushing end, it was kind of a little disappointing because Joe Mixon was kind of like a you know, he was a last minute play. Um, he came in, he got a touchdown, but he really didn't have a an awesome day, not a day that you would expect going against the Green Bay rush defense. Um, Samaj P. Ryan was involved in the offense. He actually had the better day than Mixon. He got um, over 70 purpose yards and a touchdown. Um, Jamar Chase is Jamar Chase. At this point, he is wow. (laughs) I guess he found the ball, guys. (laughs) I guess he can catch an NFL ball now. But, um, yeah, so, you know, he went for his normal long long ball this year. This time it was 70 yards. you know, T. Higgins, we welcomed him back. Uh, he had a, you know, I like to call him T. Higgins games where he just had a nice game, you know, five catches, 32 yards. It's usually about like four, four or five catches, 48 to 60 yards, and maybe sprinkling a touchdown in there. And that's pretty much a T. Higgins game for you. Um, one guy that kind of got set back was Tyler Boyd. You know, before Higgins um, came back, he was kind of getting targeted a lot. Uh, he only had five targets for uh, four catches. So that's kind of something to monitor if you're, you know, if you own Tyler Boyd or if you manage Tyler Boyd, because he might be going forward, you know, very injury dependent. You know, if T Higgins or Jamar Chase goes down, you might see his numbers go up, but maybe until then you might need, need to take a bench seat. Um, CJ Uzma didn't really have that great of a game. Um a lot of people were putting money into Chris Evans and, you know, he only had about two catches and 15 yards. So, yeah, I mean, overall it was a, it was a really exciting game. I mean, that overtime, you know, rush to getting that field goal was freaking awesome. <laughs> and yeah. it, it made McPherson thinking that he had it, it was priceless. <laughs> the back and forth was pretty great. <laughs> um, so two things, uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Um, that is the other one with the throat contusion. Mm. Um, and as far as this game goes, what's interesting, I guess, happened after the game. Uh, we, we may as well kind of touch on it a bit now. Uh, Sam J. Perrine, uh, after the game, is now on the COVID list uh, as of today. Oh, shoot. And with Mixon still kind of dealing with his injury, um, and, and really, I don't think he played any third downs this game. If he did, maybe one or two. Uh Chris Evans does look like a lot more of an interesting option going forward if if Mixon is uh, still, you know, nursing his his hamstring and if uh, Perrine uh, isn't off the list. Yeah. Holy shoot. That could have huge ramifications for this week's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys. Mixon looked okay to me. He didn't look like super explosive or anything like that, but he didn't look like he was – On the touchdown, that was much. like a it, pretty it, solid run. I was gonna say you look like Dalvin Cook out there last week. Correct. So yeah. I thought that I might be some. I was pretty promising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he'll be back uh, sooner than later. Uh, the team that I have both of them on actually, uh, Cook and Mixon, is sorely hurting right now. <laughs> All right. 
And um, is this my last game? Yeah, this is your last one. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so this was actually an entertaining game um, in the sense that, you know, if you like comebacks. And mm-hmm. so Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh actually looked decent with that offensive line in this game. Um, you know, Denver coming in had a decent pass rush. Um, they had gotten to the quarterback. I think it was QB hits. I think they had about 18 and they had about 12 sacks going into this game. Um, so Ben Roethlisberger and this offense look like how a lot of people envisioned they would when they drafted Najee Harris, you know, they were running the ball effectively. They were getting the ball to Harris and they were getting big chunk yards with Claypool and with, um, Deontay Johnson. Um, one side note is that Juju Smith-Schuster is down. So this effectively opens up the slot role. And it's going to be interesting to see whether they go with uh, like a combo of like Claypool and Johnson going into the slot and maybe like Washington on the outside as the burner. You know, it's going to be kind of – I'm going to look out for what they do with that combo because I think that if they put Claypool in the slot, that could be a really, really deadly option right there. I mean, Claypool is just this monster <clears throat> of a receiver that could yak, just get tons of yards after the catch. Um, but I saw this game as, um, you know, pretty telling to how Denver has kind of had this easy road. Um, you know, Bridgewater struggled early. I, his first three drives, he went um, 0 for 3 on third downs. Uh, he pulled it together late in the game. Um, Javante Williams, and this is another one, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, they combined for, I think, 14 rushes, 14, 15 rushes, which that was um, – I don't think that was in the game plan. I think the game plan completely changed when they went down by a significant amount of points. Um, and then Cortland Sutton finally had a sighting. Well, I mean, he's had a sighting before, but – you know, since his last big game, um, he went out there, he had seven catches, 120 yards and a touchdown. He looked really efficient in this game. Tim Patrick looked like, you know, the stud, the only person that really could replace Jerry Judy was Tim Patrick. Um, he had another seven catches. Uh, Kendall Hinton made a surprise appearance. He made a nice corner catch at the end of the game to try and set up the game-winning drive. Um Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. And then he ended up getting a touchdown himself. Uh, Noah Fant was um, 
was missed in this game. <laughs> I think they could have used him a lot more in the red zone, especially on that last drive. Um, but yeah, as far as this game goes, I, I thought it was a, a really entertaining game. And I, you know, I don't think Pittsburgh's fully back, but I think that if they have games like this, especially against, you know, a good pass rushing defense like Denver, you know, they could still be in the mix for the playoffs going forward. What'd you guys think? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the comeback towards the end of there by Bridgewater was, was definitely entertaining. All right. And the Broncos offense as a whole, of course, uh, Javante, like you said, looked good on uh, Hinton. Yeah. He did make some plays kind of down the stretch there. Uh, I was, I was surprised by that. What do you guys think about James Washington moving forward with uh, Juju uh, pretty much done for the season? I'm not a huge fan. I think we'll have some games here or there that he might show up, but I think this is going to be predominantly Deontay Johnson and Claypool moving forward. That's kind of what it had been. Juju wasn't really heavily involved in this passing attack, and most of his his you know targets were still very really close to the Ryan scrimmage. That's not James Washington's game. So mm-hmm. I'd be kind of surprised. We all you know we talk about Ben Roethlisberger and his his arm strength and what he doesn't really can or can't do anymore. I don't know if he's going to be able to use James Washington in that deep role and a Claypool and a Deontay Johnson as consistently like to. Yeah. Yeah. I think this could be like a revolving door where you're kind of like picking somebody to be good that week. You know, I could see Freermuth having a good week, McLeod having a good week, Washington having a good week. I, in other words, I don't think it's going to be consistently one person, but you know, I think that, if the, the safest bet would probably be going with like a Freermuth or an Ebron to start picking up the touchdowns. But I mean, as far as the other receivers, I don't think I want to gamble on Washington or McLeod being the guaranteed number three. All right. So here's where I pick up. Uh, we got another, another game of Justin Fields. However, we, we had a scare, uh, an injury scare. And as a result, we got a uh, cameo from Andy Dalton himself. So who, who went one of one for eight passing yards. Uh, Justin Fields uh, took another baby step forward, I would say. Got, we, we got the first NFL touchdown, um, you know, above 50% completion. It was solid. Um, they were ahead really all game, though, so we didn't get to see too much interesting. Uh, we still didn't see Justin Fields run the ball much, but who we did get to see run the ball a lot was uh, Khalil Herbert and Damon Williams. This is really scary for a lot of people that spent, uh, you know, significant uh, in the auction uh, this past waiver wire um, to get Damian Williams. And then Khalil Herbert, you know, had a, a really active game on the, you know, on the ground. Uh, it, this very well could be a split backfield moving forward, which is would make it pretty difficult to play either one. This is not a team that's going to be ahead and in positive game scripts all that often. Um, so if it does become split, it's going to be hard to play either. Like I said, um, unfortunately this was not the week of the Allen Robinson breakout. Uh, it's still at least one more week that you are waiting on him. Same with Mooney. Mooney didn't really have anything too crazy, um, this week either. Um, all, all three of these top guys on, on their, um, receiving group, you really want to see more from, um, you know, Mooney has at least, uh, shown a, a couple times that he's got it. Uh, but Robinson, Komet, uh, you you really need more from. Um, as Chris kind of pointed out at the beginning of the show, they got pressure in Carr's face early, and that's pretty much it for the Raiders. Um, you know, the passing game was not really there. Uh, the, the offensive line was struggling. 
Uh, as a result, Carr threw a pick. Uh, Jacobs was relatively inefficient. He did get a touchdown, so as far as fantasy goes, it was solid, um, but he was relatively inefficient. Um, they're just not using Kenyon Drake. They absolutely refuse to use him. Um, maybe that will change with new coaching. Maybe it won't. We'll have to see. Um, but as of right now, Drake's usage is abysmal. Uh, Hunter Renfro, as far as PPR goes, he's got you pretty much what you expect out of him week in and week out. Uh, Rugs. Um, it's interesting to see him with just a couple catches for 51 yards because that's, uh, you know, he had been pretty boomer bust, um, you know, up until this. So, so to see him in a low scoring game, at least not have a total dud uh, if you happen to uh, flex him this week is interesting. Uh, Waller had a pretty pedestrian game. And of course, there weren't any crazy um, third and fourth quarter comebacks for the Raiders, which means Brian Edwards did nothing. Um, because that's he, really and he dropped thing. a bomb too. Yeah. That would help yeah. a lot of people's numbers. <laughs> it, it certainly would have. Um, you know, uh, they did use Josh Jacobs in the passing game a little bit. Um, more than they did Drake. So for what it's worth, uh, the Drake thing isn't really an issue, um, but it was just uh, five targets, four receptions for just your 20 yards. Um, the offense as a whole was not fun to watch. This game really wasn't that entertaining. Um, they, it was a lot of a lot of running on the Chicago side uh, and really just inefficient passing on both sides. Now, on the flip side, this was a much more entertaining game. Um, went back and forth. An interesting note here is that of the of the two ever 47, uh, 42 games uh, in NFL history, the Browns have lost both of them. Uh, the other one was uh, uh, against the Baltimore Ravens last year, uh, the game that Lamar Jackson went to the locker room to uh, relieve himself. Uh, <laughs> the What's interesting and not interesting about this game at the same time is that so this was great for fantasy managers for a lot of the guys on both teams, but it was all the guys that you really expect, um, right? Like Chubb had a great game. Hunt had a great game. Eckler had a great, great game. Herbert had a great game. Mike Williams had a great game, which that one feels weird to say, but it's been the, the norm this season outside of last week. Uh, Keenan Allen had a pretty solid game. Uh, you know, so nothing too groundbreaking. Uh, there. What I will say is that Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's been getting starter reps for a lot of these games um, and, and, you know, starter reps, uh, you know, has been playing a lot, hadn't been producing anything. He at least got mostly involved uh, with uh, 70 yards. Um, also, Parham, Donald Parham Jr. is starting to gain on Jared Cook there a little bit. Uh, Cook led in snaps, led in targets, but Parham got the touchdown and got two receptions to Cook's one. Um but otherwise, like I said, there's not too much for me to really note on. Both running backs got involved in their own their own special ways. Of course, uh, Kareem Hunt had six targets. Um, Chubb had 21 carries with just one target. Eckler uh, was involved both on the ground and as a receiver, receiver, had one touchdown receiving with 53 receiving yards, but also then on the ground had 66 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So a massive game, of course, for Eckler. You take anything out of the Joku game this week? I, I would love to, and I think he's talented enough. It's just, you know, they've had such a revolving door that it's really hard to trust a Browns tight end. What do you guys think? I've always wondered why they didn't go to him more. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. 
Austin Hooper, he's he's fine. He's a fine athlete, but he's just not in Joku. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's on a one year deal at this point, so he's really just kind of showing off for somebody else next year. If you really mm-hmm. think about it, with Hooper having that three years left on that guaranteed deal, they're gonna be reworking Baker probably. So, I mean, I I don't know if I look. I think I'm the same way with you, Adam. I don't think I'm going to look too far into it because we've seen Njoku break out like this before and then go back to being Njoku afterwards. That being said, though, wouldn't hate, I wouldn't hate buying him uh, or at least using this as evidence to buy him in Dynasty maybe in a couple weeks, right? Like, So mm-hmm. let the memory of this game uh, go away a little bit and then buy him in a couple weeks after he puts up a couple duds. So the next year when he goes to a different team, <laughs> then you have him uh, for hopefully relatively cheap. Um, so that's the only thing that this really puts in my mind um, is that, all right, maybe in a couple of weeks I consider grabbing him in Dynasty, especially in uh, some teams that aren't doing as well to just, all right, let's focus on next year a little bit. Um, but as far as this year, I don't trust Brown's side end situation at all. What do you guys make of ODB or, yeah, Odo Beckham? Yeah, uh, that's an interesting situation. Uh, I was pissed. I have in my lineup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they, he needs to find a, a way to get them more involved. Uh, to Baker's credit, he did look a lot better this game, at least than the game before. Uh, that shouldn't be that difficult because he looked putrid the game before. Um, but uh, improvements on his part. But Odell is actually, as far as like you know, his route running and, and uh, getting separation and everything, he's doing his part. Um, coming off an injury, uh, you know, he's getting open, um, but it, it just, you know, it hasn't happened yet. The production hasn't happened, and it hasn't happened in Cleveland really for him, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, so we had uh, some Mike Glennon action in New York. Old so That's neck. always fun, yes. Yeah, the, the giraffe himself. Uh, we, we saw some Mike Glennon. Um, yeah, the Cowboys had their way with this one, as one would have expected. Um, that being said, like by the end of the game, Darius Tony was pretty much the only giant skill position guy left. Uh, he had a massive game. Um, he's had over 20 targets, I believe, in the last two games. So just almost due to sheer volume, I think he's a – He's a must-play for the time being until uh, Shepard and uh, Slayton get back. Um, but, uh, yeah, Glennon, that being said, is going to be kind of hard to trust, although he, he was all right outside of the picks, but those really hurt. Um, but Barkley, of course, like I said, a, a lot of guys got hurt. Barkley um, went down. Uh, don't know – I don't know at least what happened with him yet unless uh, one of you guys know. Um, or at least have a like any timetable or, or um, whatever. Uh, Booker um, had 16 carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. Of course, not efficient at all, uh, but the amount of uh, touches that he was getting, uh, that's at least roster-worthy if, again, Saquon is out for any extended period of time. Uh, Barclays, did you ask how about there's any update on Barkley's injury you were asking? Yeah. Yeah, um, he's supposed to be out two to three weeks. It's they say it's a low ankle sprain. Okay. Although it looked like he was growing a second head out of his ankle when they showed it on the yeah. TV. No, uh, <laughs> when I saw it on the TV, it did not look good. So that's actually kind of surprising in a positive way um, that it'll be that soon. Um, but yeah, really on the Giants side of things, the only 
people that you even consider touching, I think, are, are Tony, um, if you're desperate Booker, and if you're desperate Ingram. Uh, he's been playing all right the last two games. Of course, his first game or two back from injury was a struggle fest. Uh, has been getting slowly and slowly better. Um, caught all of his targets this week for 55 yards. Uh, I wouldn't say he's a firm tight end one or anything, but maybe towards the top of a tight end two. Um, for, for what it's worth there. Um, so if you're desperate for a bye week or something, or if you, you're somehow stuck with him, unfortunately, he is at least tolerable. He will get you a non-zero amount of points. <laughs> um, the Cowboys side of things, though, of course, uh, the offense lit it up. Um, Cedric Wilson was one of ones. So that's really what we were looking for out of the passing attack. Uh, but Dak obviously played pretty well, three touchdowns and a pick. Um, Elliott and Pollard, as they have been really all season, were both uh, productive. Um, mm-hmm. Lamb was productive. Schultz, who's been really doing well um, the last couple weeks. I was a little nervous about him, of course, when he had his first breakout game of the season, uh, just because Jarwin was breathing down his neck. And a lot, a lot of the beat writers really were expecting Jarwin to be the one that broke out of this. Um, as someone who you know, picked up uh, Schultz last season in Dynasty. Uh, well, when, when Jarwin had went down, this is all pleasant pleasant news, but I am a little still surprised by it. Uh, Mari Cooper had a solid day, still nothing like, uh, you know, his early season performance, um, but he did get a touchdown. He did get 60 yards. Um, so you are, you are happy with that if you did play him. Um, but otherwise, there's not too, too much to say. Uh, from either side of this thing. Yeah, it's good to see C.D. Lamb getting back up there. Yeah, absolutely. He had about like three weeks where it was just, you're like shaking your head because you're like, I drafted this guy so high. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At least I was. (laughs) Yeah, both him and uh, Amari had been kind of in a slump, and um, they were drafted like, what was it, same round or like a round apart. They were like right by each other. Um, Yeah. They were, they were like Woods and Cup. Yeah. It was pretty much you were drafting them in the same round, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to add Kenny Galladay to get hurt. Um, they did update it. It's, gonna be, it's a hyperextended yeah, knee, so which is a little bit better than you kind of hoped it to be. I'll mess a game or two, but at least it wasn't something season-ending for this guy. And I also wanted to say real quick, Mike Lennon, I, I, I'm going to give everybody fancy advice for this. If he becomes the starting quarterback at any point during the season, Whoever their speed receiver, so if Darius Slayton comes back or it's still Tony or Ross, those guys are good guys to target. This guy loves to throw the ball down the field. He did it in Jacksonville last year. He saw Colin Johnson have a big jump as a result. You're going to see it again. If he gets a chance out there, he doesn't. he's not a check down Charlie. He's a guy that's launched it down the field and let it fly. So you can bank on those passing, those, those deep threat receivers more on the Giants than you can have with Daniel Jones out there. And then you live on the uh, Sterling Shepard under. <laughs> That's exactly. a really good point, Chris. I mean, he w- he really did make like Chris Conley on the back end of that um, season last year like a viable person because he was throwing it to him all the time. Um, He'll launch it. He'll let it fly. I'll give him. I'll give him that. He has no gumption about letting it fly. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So uh, we had the first Trey Lance start, and it was I would say about what we expected. Uh, he was a really good runner, yeah. um, was like inches, if that, from getting uh, getting into the end zone, which would have made him a QB1 on the week. Um, it didn't happen, though, but 
I, I think if you're a, if you roster Trey Lance, you're pretty happy with what you saw. Um, I think if you had expectations of him being a good passer at this point, then you're insane. Um, it, it uh, and it's, it wasn't all bad. Uh, it just, it certainly wasn't great at least until the second half. Um, but you're going to live with it because his running rushing ability is fantastic. Uh, he was looked really good with the ball. Um, and like I said, he was very close to that touchdown. Um, so, and that's just really what you're waiting for. Um, on uh, staying with the ground game, Elijah Mitchell is clearly the running back um, until Jeff Wilson gets back at the very least. Um, of course, he's going to throw another whole wrench into this thing, and it's going to be, uh, you know, that's going to be really interesting. But he is firmly ahead of Trey Sermon. Um, we can guarantee that. Of course, um, with Trey Lance kind of, uh, you know, faltering in the passing attack, Debo Samuel has fallen with him. Despite getting nine targets, he had just three receptions for 58 yards. Um, so the the targets are still there. Uh, just the the efficiency has fallen off a cliff. Um, for what it's worth, Ayuk uh, getting two receptions on four targets with 32 yards, that is Solid. Uh, Ross Dwelly was someone a lot of people had figured um, to be a pretty solid um, streaming option um, with the injury to Kittle. Um, He did all right as far as on the field performance goes, but not really what you're hoping for as far as fantasy purposes go. Um, On the Arizona Arizona side of things, you know, Kyler played pretty solid. It was one of his quieter games, I would say, but it was solid. Um, Hopkins was solid. Uh, Rondell Moore was electric, uh, you know, with the ball in his hands, um, as, as he seems to be. Uh, James Conner was less electric, but uh, did get that touchdown, which he has pretty much he pretty consistently got and got that from the red zone. Um, Chase Edmonds. Uh, didn't have that great of a game. Uh, I, I expected a little bit more from him, I think. Um, but this wasn't a game that I, I figured the uh, game script really favored him. Um, but still, you'd like to see a little bit more from him. Um, Kyler Murray was also bottled up uh, as far as his own rushing goes. Um, so that is interesting. Um, AJ Green, who was bordering upon becoming a flex play, he had a, a a couple games in a row where he was pretty solid. And, uh, you know, he may have not looked that great on the field, but he was producing. Uh, and then he was going against this San Francisco secondary that is just not good. It's just not. And and he, he laid an egg. Um, yeah. All of, or both of Max Williams and AJ Green laid an egg. Christian Kirk really was up above them, but not by a lot. In uh, PPR, he saved you because he had five receptions, but he didn't really do much with them. I was going to say, Rondell Moore did run more routes than Christian Kirk this week because it's kind of interesting on the Arizona side. And Max Williams will be out for the season, so it'll be interesting to see that they have another tight end option on that team. Mm-hmm. I just want to ask you guys a quick Trey Lance question, or two questions, I should say. Number one, oh, did he do enough to take Jimmy G's job? <clears throat> I, no. I don't think so, but I also – I don't think so, but I, I think it's the same situation with a lot of rookies. Once you're in, I feel like you're you're in. It's going to be hard to take him out. Um, they might do it because, uh, again, I don't know if he's necessarily earned the starting job from Jimmy G. But well, that's why I asked because they, they have a they, they have a buy this week, 
and more than likely Jimmy G will be healthy enough to return the following week. So that's going to mm-hmm. pretty much, we're going to get our answer pretty quickly. That's why I was curious to see what you guys thought. Um, and that, and then also, also, oh, sorry. I was going to, I was just going to throw this in there. He's also got a sprained knee right now. So with a three pick investment, I don't think it would be smart to drive him out there. Even, even after a bye week, I think the smart thing to do would be to play the healthy man. And that would be Jimmy G. The other question is, if he was to sit the starting job moving forward, does it make the 49er running backs basically unworthy to own because he monopolizes so much of the touches in the rushing game? Once Jeff Wilson's back, pretty much, yeah, I would say so. I, I think that when it's one back, like how it is now, like, you know, if Trey Lance wasn't forced due to the game script to throw 30 times and you could cut that down to 20, then maybe Elijah Mitchell could be worth something, right, in a game that's uh, – you know, they're, they're playing a little bit better as a whole. Uh, I think Elijah Mitchell as a, the only back left, uh, essentially, because they just have no trust for Trey Sermon, it seems. Um, I, I think that they could sustain one back. Uh, certainly not going to be the days of, of Jeff Wilson and Mostert both being flexible uh, plays. Uh, I think they could maybe get one back. And, you know, once they start using two backs again, when Jeff Wilson gets back, uh Unless one's the clear lead guys, then it's then neither are going to be playable. If if it's sermon, it's the same thing with uh, with the Bears right now. Uh, now that they've lost Montgomery, if you take a rushing quarterback, which the Bears aren't really using him that way, um, but that's what they should be doing. If you take someone like that and you mix them with a mixed backfield, it's not good. Same with the Eagles too. Um, you know, Hertz is running, and as a result. There's not a lot left for the pair of Gainwell and Sanders. Yeah. I think this was kind of like a trial run for this whole offense. Um, Shanahan's never had this really – I mean, I won't say never because Robert Griffin, but um, he never really had to scheme for a a 49ers running quarterback. You know, like when Jimmy G would run, it would be like an off script. He would just do it himself. Um, There was never really any designs for that. Um, I think this is going to be interesting to look forward to, and I think that's a really good question to see if there will be an actual running back that will be worth really owning. Um, I like the way Mitchell runs the ball. He runs the ball kind of like Mostert, which is super explosive. He can hit the hole. He has enough vision to recognize where the hole is, and then when he hits it, he just blows right through it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Adam. I think that – you know, until, you know, everybody's back healthy and the depth chart is fully set, I don't think there's really going to be like one pure standout running back in this roster. I think that Shanahan will mix it up every single time. You know, Sermon didn't get much this game, but he might get, you know, four, five, six touches next game. It's kind of like how the offense works. It, it's it's a mystery even to the fans of it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to Sunday night. Um, that was a good game. Yeah, all, another great game. Uh, the Chiefs really faltered here. Um, you know, you would, they were the favorites coming in, not by a lot, but they were the favorites. Um, and, and they just couldn't do it. Uh, uh, we have an injury to CEH, um, which has led to a lot of people picking up Daryl Williams. I'm not really that interested in either him or, or McKinnon, uh, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Nicole Hardman got 12 targets. Uh, Tyree Kill got 13. Kelsey got 10. 
and none of them really showed out that much. That's just really surprising that uh, at least between Hill and Kelsey, Tardman's a little less surprising. But between Hill and Kelsey to not get any really explosive plays between the two is uh, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, Hill's long was 17, Kelsey's long was 15. Um, we did get our first Josh Gordon sighting, so I guess that's exciting. He had one reception for 11 yards. Um, but I have a lot of questions for the Chiefs offense moving forward, and they're mostly going to rebound. Um, but what's going to happen with that rushing attack, attack is, I think, a real question. And what's going on with that third weapon is still a real question. Um, but, yeah, as far as Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey go, uh, it would be insane to not assume that they'll bounce back. Like, I'm certainly not – you know, have don't have my, my doubts with them yet. Um, but, yeah, it was not a great game for them. The Bills side of things, though, um, you know, they played great. Uh, Allen – I mean, you almost have to call this coming down to earth the way that he's been playing, to be honest with you. Uh, of course, he had a fantastic game, though, um, both running and passing the ball. Uh, Moss ha- is the lead guy for the week, I guess, kind of, um, at least over Singletary. Um, that rushing attack has presumed to what it had been uh, prior to the first couple weeks of this season, where you just don't want any part of it. Um, Dawson Knox had a massive game, really that, that one 53-yarder um, uh, was the bulk of it. He was just, you know, you made a couple big plays, uh, didn't get a high volume. That being said, they weren't really forced to pass a ton. Um, so the fact that he did go over 100 yards um, when Josh Allen only threw the ball 26 times, it's pretty good. Um, Stephon Diggs is still it, – it, I don't want to say struggling because it's not quite struggling in the same way that Calvin Ridley and Allen Robinson and AJ Brown are struggling, but he's been stuck kind of as a wide receiver too all season long outside of, I believe one game. Um, And that's obviously something that will pick back up. He's again, getting the usage. This offense has the volume and he has the talent. It'll pick back up. And it's something that we need to keep an eye on. Uh, I actually presumed that Emmanuel Sanders is going to get a lot more love this game, but I also presumed this would be a lot more of a back and forth that it wasn't. Um, so it's hard to take much away uh, as far as the Buffalo Bills passing attack goes. I got to say that Chiefs offense looked like the Ravens offense last year. No creativity, no motion. Tyreek Hill, you just run goes. Travis Kelsey, you get double teamed and don't do any. Nobody had nobody else to kind of look for it. It was I. I'm disappointed Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy right now. Yeah, uh, maybe they – I mean, they're out of September, so maybe they just used all their cool stuff already. Um, you know, that hasn't really been a thing as much yeah. under the uh, – uh, you know, once Reed has made it to uh, Kansas City, especially once they got Mahomes. But maybe it's just Andy Reed <laughs> not being that good after September. Uh, I, I'm sure they'll find a way to rebound, but it was definitely weird how they played. Uh, moving on to Monday night, real good performances from both quarterbacks. Um, Wentz played really well outside of the fumble, but both quarterbacks fumbled. Um, they actually had pretty similar nights. Um, Lamar Jackson absolutely crushed it uh, in the uh, second half. Um, I had some an interesting stat here. Let me go ahead and pull it back up um, about the last two matchups between the two teams. Um Lamar Jackson in his last two games, so uh, the 
uh, the Colts and Ravens played each other last year. And his last two games against the Colts, he is 56 of 66 uh, with 612 yards, four passing touchdowns, and then rushing 120 yards and a rushing touchdown. Um, He has been a problem for the Colts defense. Um, Also in those two games, um, the Ravens, or the first half scoring is 20 points for the Colts, 10 points for the Ravens. And the second half, 15 points for the Colts and 39 for the Ravens. Both games have been tales of two halves. Um, the Ravens, for whatever reason, have just lit it up in both second halves of the last two times these teams have matched up. Um, as far as the Ravens' ground game goes, Tyson Williams was active again. However, didn't really do much with it. That being said, um, the one positive thing you can say about the Colts defense is they did pretty solid on the ground against everyone outside of Lamar. Um, Lamar, you know, I really Lamar having four yards, 4.4 yards per carry. That's about as good as you can do as far as holding Lamar down. Um, Mark Andrews went off. Um, we'll be talking about him in a little bit. Uh, hint, hint. Um, but yeah, he, he went off, uh, had an outstanding game. Um, his kind of, uh, debut on the season essentially he's been kind of had a slow start Uh, Marquise Brown again had another fantastic game um Duvernay uh not a ton for fantasy but he looked really good actually um and then everyone else kind of filed in line behind him on the Colts side of things it was a variety as far as the running game goes Marlon Mack was back out there he actually ran pretty well um he looked good to be honest with you which so Cam Akers owners uh, you should feel good about uh, running backs coming off that injury. Um, but who should not feel good is people who roster Naheem Hines. He, over the last two weeks, has done nothing in the receiving games, and that's why you have him. Um, so that's just an absolute problem. Uh, he got a couple carries. That's great, but that's not what, what you want from Naheem Hines. You want him to be getting those you know, four to seven receptions. Um, Jonathan Taylor, meanwhile – had over 100 yards receiving. Granted, that was just on four targets. He made the one 76-yarder on the first drive. Um, he he looked looked great, but he wasn't really getting the usage that you would maybe want uh, just because the other running backs. Um, well, between the two of them, they got um, you know 12 uh, touches or targets plus carries. Um, Paris Campbell. Uh, a lot of people were uh, high on him coming into the season that he could have a breakout year. Uh, really slow start the season. He looks genuinely pretty good um, this week uh, on what, if it wasn't for an injury to the kicker, would have been the game-winning drive for Carson Wentz and the Colts. Um, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, uh, you know, they had gotten the ball back with about 40 seconds left. Um, drove the ball down the field, hit Carson Wentz near the sideline, or sorry, hit Carson Wentz, hit Paris Campbell near the sideline um, and got them past midfield. Um, to you know, give them a good uh, chance at the field goal. However, it was a miss because the kicker was hurt. Uh, Pittman has consistently been pretty good throughout the season, really. Um, yeah, nothing too much there. We finally started to see a little bit of Kylan Branson, not enough to start putting him in lineups, um, but some progress there. Mo Willie Cox, two weeks in a row, yeah. actually involved in the passing game. Yeah, he has actually been involved two weeks in a row. Um, So that is also really good to see. All right. Well, if that's it, then we will take this off the screen. 
and we can start getting into um, some awards for some of these guys who who are our belly ups and our belly flops. Um, she checks the play sheet. Goes before we uh, before we do that, we have um, another wonderful ad read. This one from my bookie, our, our fantastic partner. Um, we are betting is just as important as what you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to put your money down at my bookie. The Arizona Cardinals have come out to a hot start. Chiefs have as many losses as they did last year. And with all the overs hitting in the dying seconds of a game, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Thankfully, my bookie's lock of the season has returned for the Las Vegas slash Seattle Kraken uh, NHL opening night game. And when either team scores in the game, you win. You heard it right. When the lamp lights red, you get the bread. Uh, take the easy win, pat yourself on the back, and use your winnings towards your NFL picks for week six, which includes a battle between two potential Super Bowl contenders when the Cardinals meet the Browns. The Browns have had really good matchups uh, for a couple weeks now. Uh, don't miss out on a winning season. Head to my bookie and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY and you'll get double your first deposit. That's promo code BELLYUPFANTASY so you can double your funds, so double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right, guys. So... I'll, I'll go ahead and get it started as far as the belly ups um, and belly flops go. Um, Mark Andrews is the belly up fantasy player of the week um, for his fantastic performance, not only uh, being towards the top of, uh, of fantasy scoring in general, but doing it from the tight end position. Um, yeah, so th that would be him. Uh, he would also probably be my pick um, for for a guy um, to just get that many points from the tight end position. Again, it's so valuable for your team. Um, he, he brought a lot of people back last night, especially having it on Monday Night Football, where you are. Um, teams are <laughs> need a prayer to, to get back into games, and uh, he, he provided that for a lot of teams. Yeah, so my belly up is going to be, my first one will be for Lamar Jackson, the guy throwing him that ball. Lamar had over 40-something points fantasy-wise. He ran the ball. He threw the ball fantastically. over 400 yards passing. So Lamar Jackson would be one of my belly-ups. Uh, <clears throat> my belly-up is going to be um, Chase Claypool. Uh, guy went out there, had a hell of a game. Um, you know, bad news is unfortunately good news for him. Juju's out for the season, it looks like, or at least four months. Um, so pretty much the season, but that means that he's going to get a lot more targets now and he's already proven that he can make those targets into something. So it's going to be an exciting rest of the year for, uh, for Chase Claypool. Absolutely. Um, so then my second guy, uh, as far as the belly up goes is Michael Carter. Um, for the second straight week, he's had over 50% of the snaps, uh, second straight week. He's had a touchdown. Um, second straight week, he's had over 10 carries. He had a career high in receptions this week of three receptions. Um, he is, you know, going from a guy that was fourth round pick and that we all loved, but was struggling at the beginning of the season to, you know, he's a, getting closer, closer to firmly being a flex player. Uh, he's been at nine or higher points in three of the last four, um, obviously 13 this week. He's getting there. Um, there, there's a firm progress uh, for him 
And, uh, you know, as this offense gets better, he's going to be more efficient. He's getting the usage he needs. Um, it's just that this offense as a whole is struggling, so it's pretty easy to stop him. My other belly up is going to go with Antonio Brown. Um, since Rob Gronkowski has been kind of out, this guy's taken over the, the you know, that scoring opportunity, scored in the touch, two touchdowns this game, has been heavily involved in this passing game. And you see him looking actually pretty spry out there. Had a nice little run catch, run after the catch this week. Um, I think he's going to continue to be one of those guys who's going to be facing a second and third corner more weeks than not, and then we'll put big numbers for you moving forward. Uh, my second one's going to be Michael Pittman Jr. Um, obviously, he took on the big role this year, um, unfortunately, because T.Y. Hilton went down. So, um, But he's been impressive. He's been rather impressive. I don't think he had a touchdown at this point. And his first touchdown of the season was an emphatic one. He caught a nice pass and bulldozed his way over defenders into the end zone. Um, showed a lot of heart. Uh, showed that he's ready to be the undeniable number one uh, wide receiver in Indianapolis. And he's he's shown consistency as a fantasy player, which is exciting because this is a guy who you probably picked in the later rounds. So good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for the sake of time, let's just go ahead and do both of our belly flops uh, together. Um, so my two are Jalen Waddle, who just against that Bucks secondary, um, I really expect a lot more from. You know, I didn't obviously didn't expect the Dolphins to win or really even be close, uh, but that's kind of the point that they would be in a negative game script against one of the worst secondaries in the league, at least you know where they're currently at uh, health wise. Um, so for Waddle to kind of not lay an egg, but to have a pretty Poor performance uh, was surprising to me. Uh, and then Cameron Brait, he has been was kind of advertised uh, while Gronk was out to be a, a surefire thing at the tight end position, which you know there's not many of those. And he has been all but one, um, just a couple catches uh, since Gronk has been out has not been worth it uh, really at all. Yeah. So my belly flop is first going to be Kyler Murray. Talk about that. Couple of that game, San Francisco's defense really struggling, especially their pass defense. They have about one healthy guy on that secondary right now. And Kyle definitely under underperformed for a lot of people this week. Scored about 14 fantasy points. Uh, didn't rush the ball. We only had one yard rushing, seven carries. Didn't throw for a lot of yards. Only had one touchdown pass. And then I go with the other, my other belly flop was <clears throat> Adam Thielen. You know, they're a great matchup for on paper, playing Detroit defense. This guy, you know, scores touchdowns left and right. This Vikings offense should be highly proficient against that terrible Detroit defense. And he had two catches for 30 yards. Uh, my first one's going to be Sam Darnold. Um, coming into this week, he was probably one of the hottest guys out there. Um, as far as, you know, like his fantasy level, um, he was bringing up, you know, they were bringing up constantly that he was up there with running backs as far as, you know, having – touchdowns he had five touchdowns going into it you know he was completely stopped running wise he only had two carries for 10 yards um his second half was atrocious uh he really just kind of came back down to earth and you know this is going to be a big week to figure out who sam darnold is is he uh, the guy in carolina or did the guy in carolina just come from new york you know is is he still the same guy um and my second guy is uh, Chase Edmonds. Uh, I know he got injured in that game, but that seemed like a game that was that was tailor-made for his style. Um, as a receiving running back, you know, there's a lot of injuries going on, especially in that secondary. Uh, it seemed like coming off that 120-yard game, 
that was the game to kind of make his uh, name. And I only think he got 10 yards in that game as far as rushing goes. So he's my second belly flop. <clears throat> All right. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and then again, for the sake of time, we're just going to go ahead and um, preview three of the, the most interesting games um, from the upcoming uh, week. The first of which is uh, the game that we're, we're two days away from Thursday night, uh, Bucks Eagles. Um, you know, Hertz has been hit or miss, but when he hits, he hits in the passing attack. When he misses, he misses. Uh, but again, he's been hit or miss. Uh, and him himself, he, he's a, a, a lock as a, a starter. But it's going to be interesting. So what do you make of Devonta Smith? Uh, uh, you're definitely not touching these running backs. They've already not been getting used on the ground. Now, obviously, going up against one of the best uh, run defenses in the NFL and against a very obvious um, uh, negative game script. But, yeah, so what do you make of the, the Eagles passing attack? Uh, they've gotten garbage time points a lot this season. Um, I b- believe when I did the math last night, um, about a third, a little – between a third and a half uh, of their points um, this season have come in the fourth quarter. Um, they've been a great garbage time team. I'm hitting that fourth quarter over. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what, what do you think about that side of things? I think we're, we're starting to figure out the Bucks uh, side of things at least as much as you can. I think that receiving group, um, you know, is anybody's guess as to who's going to pop off. Yeah, I think Devonta Smith is a must-start this week. This Tampa Bay secondary is definitely banged up and questionable, and you're going to put points against them. I also think a, a quiet sleeper player might be a Quiz Watkins. I think he's playing more and more out there. He's getting more and more snaps. I think it's only inevitable if he becomes a second target over Jalen Rager, who's been kind of being phased out of this offense. You talked about the running back position. I do think there is some value probably with Gainwell this week. Um, because it's going to be a passing situation. We saw Miles Gaskin have a lot of involvement in the passing game, have a pretty productive game overall. So if they're going to run any running backs, I'd probably go with Gaskin, despite the whole five targets for six yards for Miles Sanders last week. Um, and just finally, as a real quick note, Dallas Goddard has co- has been put on the COVID-19 list, so he will not be playing this week. So if you have a Zach Ertz on your roster somehow, some way, might be the week to play him because David Bay has been horrible against tight ends. Yeah, and interestingly enough, uh, I believe Ertz got a decent amount of targets even last week. He got, what, like five or six? Uh, didn't yeah, do anything six. with them. Um, but nonetheless, he was getting targeted anyways. That's kind of what's been what's hurting Goddard fantasy-wise this season. Um, will be interesting to see Ertz, you know, with the full tight end load that the Eagles... The Eagles have been throwing a lot to the tight end position. It's just been split between two guys. <laughs> Yeah, and Ertz hasn't been reeling in any of his passes, so it's no. been kind of like it's been kind of weird because it's been like Goddard's been getting the the weekend of the shares because it's like you know this guy's actually catching the ball, like mm-hmm. you should throw it to him more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if Ertz has anything left in the tank, it needs to get used this game. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right, so moving on to the second of those three matchups, um, I, I would definitely say one of the most interesting games of the week, uh, if not the most interesting game of the week, is Cardinals-Browns. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys flying around um, that are fantasy relevant on both teams. So, uh, again, I think on the Browns side, we we know, at least in the run game, you know, wh- who to use. Um, this is a, a game script that could be in favor of Edmonds, although – you may as well always play Connor because if they get uh, in the red zone, then he's kind of their their help with that, you know. 
Uh, Kyler had been struggling in the red zone last season. So they're like, all right, we'll just go with James Conner in the red zone. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. Um, But uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. One, about Odell, of course. Odell, Donovan Peoples-Jones, really the Browns receiving group. And two, what about those those guys past – past Hopkins pretty much. Uh, what do you think about them? I know we noted more, uh, got more um, routes ran and Kirk for the first time this season. Um, so, so what do you think is going to go on over there with AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, um, that group? Yeah, I think this could definitely be a good day for uh, the speedsters, Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk. Um, I mean, I'm never going to count out DeAndre Hopkins because he just does some pretty amazing things. Um for me, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good day for you know Rondell Moore and maybe even Chase Edmonds. Maybe he gets his bounce back game. I think it's gonna be interesting to see how the Cardinals handle the pressure that the Browns are gonna bring. hundred percent, like they've got incredible athletic linemen on that front seven. And uh, one thing that was giving them some serious trouble in San Francisco was when the linemen were breaking. Um, Kyler was kind of just taking a lot of sacks. And it was, you know, out of the ordinary, but they were setting the edges properly. And I think maybe some teams are starting to kind of figure out, you know, how to handle those running quarterbacks. Um, But, you know, I I look for I'm looking for, you know, Christian Kirk or a Rondell Moore to bust out in this game. Probably Rondell Moore because he's going to be handling more or less the weaker end of it. Um, I know Denzel Ward is going to be on Hopkins all game. Um, it's going to be interesting if uh, who they get to cover for uh, Max Williams on the tight end. That could be an interesting um, play there. Max after this season. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that was a bad knee injury. Um, I was just saying, I was wondering who they're going to play for him there because that, w- that could be an interesting matchup. Um, and, I mean, on the flip side – I would put in every running back that you have for the the Browns. Um, I actually like Odell in this matchup. Um, I don't like the tight ends because I think the Buda Baker and um, Isaiah Simmons are probably going to cover them pretty well. Uh, so somebody's going to have to get open. Um, Odell, maybe Peoples-Jones. Um, Rashad Higgins has been known to show up every once in a while. <clears throat> so, yeah. All right. So one last game that I think we'd, we'd be you know, not doing our jobs if we didn't at least touch on. Uh, Bills-Titans, Monday night, um, so six days from now. Um, that'll be another one. Is this finally the time for the A.J. Brown uh, showing? Um, obviously, with Trey White, that'll be very difficult. However, uh, A.J. Brown was very quiet last season through four weeks. Uh, until he had a magnificent showing against the Bills. Um, so on one hand, tough matchup on paper. But on the other hand, early in the season, last season, this is where he broke out. Um, so it, that's this is going to be an interesting matchup for a lot of reasons outside of just them. But that's just kind of what I wanted to key in on uh, at the beginning here. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think that if you have H.J. Brown, you're definitely still going to roll him out. You're a little bit worried about the Javier's West coverage. But as you pointed out last year, A.J. Brown kind of has historically so far in the NFL been a little bit of a slow starter. And he gets in kind of that rhythm. My only concern right now is Todd Downing's play calling. It just seems to be not anything close to what Arthur Smith was doing, particularly putting 
A.J. Brown in a position is to be more successful with running slap rounds, crossing patterns. I have him doing a lot more deeper patterns. I'm not really understanding why so much. Um, but I definitely start A.J. Brown out there. I think that you're going to see a good game script for him to be involved in the passing game because this Buffalo offense is going to be able to score points all day, every day versus that Tennessee defense. And this will be interesting to see if Julio's back because that'll be the matchup right there because – I mean, I don't know. Do you, if you're Trey White, do you go on Julio? Do you go on AJ Brown? Right? I mean, Julio can have like the big reception game, but AJ Brown has really not shown much this year. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that makes it less of a, uh, a him shadowing anyone type of game and a lot more of a, either playing a side of the field or kind of mixing between the two, which is good for both. Um, All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, before we get out of here, we'll do a bit of roster shakeup. Um, so one um, one waiver or drop or watch list or trade guy. Um, and Chris, we can start with you here. Yeah, I talked about a bit earlier in the show. I think if you play the elite that plays tight ends, Dan Arnold's a must pick up right now. I think he looks he's one of those guys that you see has a lot of potential to be involved in this offense. They're trying to utilize him a lot. Trevor Lawrence kind of is looking for him. Justin kind of pointed out how the young quarterbacks love to look for their tight ends. And I think that's something you want to kind of lock onto if you can right now. You took mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll give you uh, I'll give you time to come up with something. I'm gonna go ahead and say if you haven't done it already and you're in a redraft league. It's time to cut bait on Ronald Jones. I hate to say yeah. it. I think he is a talented runner, but it's just not the situation for him. There's really no point in waiting on him. I think he would only have week-to-week value if there was an injury to Fournette. Um, it's just clutter on your roster. Do get some higher upside there. Uh, if you, again, if you haven't done that already. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I actually – I don't think this one will be available – but I actually just found it in one of my redrafts league. That's why I'm kind of like going to point it out here. Uh, Rashad Bateman's coming back. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a redraft league, just go and look because you might be surprised that someone like a Rashad Bateman or a Jeff Wilson are just waiting there to be picked up. And these guys are going to be coming back into big roles. So something to look out for. Yeah, both of those guys, actually. Um, my second one is um, – this is probably in – so in redraft, this is probably the most affordable he'll be all season. I actually feel very confident in saying that. Then Dynasty, this is probably the most affordable he'll be for a little bit as well, uh, well into his 30s. Stephon Diggs, again, at, at that – he's playing at a wide receiver two level, but he's towards the top of the league in air yards. He's getting all the usage you want and just hasn't found the end zone enough. Um, again, he's not going to be cheap no matter what, but if you were to ever buy him – now is the time. It's time to pony up, go after a championship, and get a receiver. He's an absolutely fantastic option to do that with. That's a really good one, yeah. 100%. Yeah, so my, my second one would be to – it's kind of a general thing, but looking at all the different running back situations and all the injuries that we're having, making sure that you have depth. When you're going to acquire some of these guys, like if you're trading for a Stephon Diggs or you're trading for different players that may be available – don't give up all your depth because there's a lot of guys you might want needing down the road, especially with these injuries that are just keeping up week in and week out. 
So kind of keep that in mind as you're kind of moving forward. And as Justin pointed out, a nice little Trevor place or a little treasure trove look is on that IR because a lot of guys are coming off IR soon. You got Bateman coming off. You got Jeff Wilson. You got T.Y. Hilton. So a lot of different guys so you can kind of keep your eye on. Maybe you'll pick up on the cheap. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Justin, mm. take us home. All right. Guys, go out and see if you can snag Dalton Schultz at a reasonable price because this guy looks like he's got something going out in Dallas. And, you know, Blake Jarwin didn't get a target. So it's kind of starting to form, right? Um, I know in one of my leagues, I snagged him a week ago for a second round pick and very happy for it because now I got my tight end for dynasty. He's a young guy too. I think he's only like 25. He could have a long future there. Dallas does love to take care of its tight ends. This is true. This is true. All right, everybody. This has been belly up fantasy live. It has been a pleasure uh, talking football and hopefully having you listen. Um, Thank you so much, Justin. What are you working on this week? Start sits. Oh, boy. Uh, Chris, and what are you guys doing on the Belly Up MDF football show? We'll be on our new time this week, and so we'll be on Thursday evening, and we're going to be reviewing the Thursday night game live, kind of going over, and then previewing the 1 o'clock games for Sunday. Oh, and 9.30 game on Sunday again, too. Ooh, yep, back-to-back London games. This time we're getting the Jags once again. Um, they're basically the home game. Um, all right, everyone. Again, this has been Belly Up Fantasy Live. See. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.